Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness Podcast. Today we have with us Kat Howe, the founder and CEO of 8Loop Social and the Facebook Ad Academy. In today's episode, she's gonna let us in on some really big secrets. We're gonna talk about how to take clients from zero to six-figure revenue. In the past, she's worked with big names like Coca-Cola, Amteal, and Contiki, and helped them grow their businesses. I'm excited to learn from her and get to know more about her entrepreneurial journey. Did you actually grow up in New Zealand? No, I'm Canadian. You're Canadian? Yeah, yeah. I've been here for 14 years, though. I got imported by my ex-husband. He imported you, <laughs> huh? Was that willingly or was that kind of like your... <laughs> Mail order Canadian bride? No, I was yeah. willingly, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's good to know. And what was he doing? I mean, why did you guys move out there? Was there a business or something? Oh, he's from here. Yeah. Ah, so we he's were from like there. deciding New Zealand, Canada, oh. and they don't snow here in the winter. So I was like, I'm down. But they don't have central heating. So the winters here feel almost colder than Canadian winters sometimes. Oh, because you can't get warm. Kiwis are just crazy. They just, they wear, jan- do you know what jandals are? Flip-flops. No. They wear like, oh, like flip-flops and flip-flops and it's like three degrees Celsius outside and they just, well, you're in California though. I know, I know. I'm not probably, I know. I made it seem like I was like part of that group or something. You're like, <laughs> no, it's, but I, I will tell you right now in California, it's like this morning when I went on my walk, it was 46 degrees, which is cold for California. And I had flip-flops on and people thought I was like, I would, you know, was like, I should have been on my medication. This is probably your jam over here. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to, I'm, New Zealand was like, I think you guys like number nine yeah. at this point, you're number two. Actually, if I win the lottery, I mean, I'll literally just become a Kiwi. <laughs> That's my plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, number one, like, why would I not? Right. I mean, I just come out there and bring you your money and like some unmarked bills or something in a briefcase and be like, look what I have for cat. <laughs> you win again or we win again. Yeah. Just don't bring bananas or apples across the border that stuff the dog the customs here they don't really know how to sniff for cocaine or drugs but if you try to smuggle a fruit fly in like you're fucked yeah really so they and but so you've been able the cocaine's been fine but you got caught with a fruit fly is that what you're saying i mean i'm just you don't have to tell me because it's not like this is being recorded and the whole world's going to hear so there's certain things you were able to get through and certain things where you got busted so that's cool yeah that was going to be my next question. And what can I sneak into the country? So not fruit flies, definitely not bananas and fruit flies. Don't try that. Yeah. My brother, and this is a true story. My brother actually, God, I don't know what country he was coming from, but he actually got busted bringing a mango into the U S and it was kind of like an accidental thing, but I'm not kidding. Like he's on like, he's not on the do not fly list by any means, but they do. They like, Oh, they give him a little extra. Like, I don't know if he gets the glove test. I don't know if he's graduated, but they definitely give him the like, Oh, mango boy. Yeah. Like, Oh, Hey sir, let's go ahead and see if we're going to strip down over here. We're going to play a little game called where's the mango, you know? And it's, I don't know. And once again, I don't know if he travels because he likes that game or what, but yeah, he's definitely on some type of a list. And I actually just recently, and this is all choking aside too. Actually, I ended up on a, some kind of a list or something. Cause I like in India, I didn't get like, you know, crazy tests, but they are like a, any kind of a private dance or anything. But I've definitely, every country that I've been to has been like, oh, kind of going down different ways than everybody else. And I'm like, I didn't bring a mango in. And maybe it's because my brother bought a mango in, <laughs> or I don't know what it was. I don't know how I get flagged. Like, I don't think that I look the mango smuggling I family. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, maybe that's, I mean, yeah, we've all smuggled a few mangoes in private places and <laughs> airports. I mean, that's like what we do sometimes. Yeah. Because you can buy it for your family. But, 
Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. That's, that's good about fruit flies. I'll definitely add that to my list of things not to bring when I come visit you, obviously with the cash. You definitely have like the mango mule look about you. I gotta yeah. say. It's the beard. We're like, it's either <laughs> cocaine or mangoes. Cause that's like their big thing. Like, I'm not really sure if he's got like, you know, an ounce of cocaine or if he has been like eating mangoes in, in private areas. So, no. uh, you know, once again, we all have our vices, I guess. And so you grew up in Canada and then so obviously your family's from Canada. How big of a family you have in Canada? Oh, just me and my sister and my parents. Yeah. Gotcha. So not that big of a family. No, no. And then where does your sister live? She's in Vancouver at the moment. She's a bit uh, of a nomad was, though. Oh, she is like going around. Yeah, I was just in Vancouver. They were at the, um, what was the name of the conference? Anyways, it was a conference out there that they had out there about three weeks ago. Mm. I went out there and had some fun with, uh, oh, Uber Flips. That's who it was. The guys oh. over at Uber Flips. Yeah, it was kind of, it was right there and I was it was awesome. Like the conference was right across the street from my hotel and just the food around there was just phenomenal. So yeah, I'm a, a big fan for sure. Yeah. Oh, Van- you said Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver. Not Tor- I was thinking Toronto. No, not Toronto. I've only been to Vancouver once. Vancouver is amazing because it's got the ocean uh, and the mountains. But California has a lot of that too, right? Cities with oceans yeah. and mountains. Yeah. No, it definitely does. And that's, I'm in Sacramento. So like the hub of where I live is like San Francisco is an hour and a half away and the beach is an hour and a half away. And it's not like this. I mean, it's still California prices, but it's not like San Francisco where you're like, you know, you have like a thousand square feet and it's, you know, like $5,000 a month or something crazy. So it's still economical. In fact, I, long story short, I flip properties here too as well. So that's why we do in this area because everybody on the outskirts has all kinds of money and they come to Sacramento and buy something that it's like a mansion compared to what they live to in the city. So, yeah. So give us some, I mean, other than the fact that your ex-husband kidnapped you and brought you to New Zealand, what other fun facts do you have? Is there anything else like growing up or anything else that was interesting in regards to like uh, how you're upbringing, anything fun that nobody would know about? Oh, I'm a pretty open book. So I don't know about like no one would ever know about. I think the thing that probably shocks a lot of people is they don't realize like I used to strip illegally when I was 16 to like 19. And again, I'm pretty open about that. So I don't like, I I don't mind sharing that story either. And then I think I'm pretty boring other than that, to be honest. Yeah. I I love it how you're like, I used to be a stripper, but other than that, I'm just kind of a regular girl. I'm boring. I'm like, I don't know if that's really, that's what we think here. I don't think we're interviewing you today because you're like, I just don't have much to say and I'm kind of boring. I think it's maybe, maybe potentially the opposite of that. Interesting. So you strip, so, and not that we need to go into stripping in Canada and rights and laws and stuff, but what, so you have to be obviously 18 in Canada. Yeah. You snuck in with a little fake ID and said, listen, nobody's going to stop cat. <laughs> right? Nobody's going to, not if, if I want to dance, if the cat wants to dance, the cat gets to dance, right? Like, so now I'll ask you my next question then is, is cat your real name or is that your stage name? If you, I mean, is this your real, I want to make sure it's your real name. Now that we've jumped on the... This is my real name. My stage name used to be Jazz. <laughs> jazz. Man, I could have... Jazz. Interesting. Okay. These are, these are all fun facts. I, yeah. And everybody has a different thing. So I love it because, you know, some people when you interview on podcasts are very conservative. So they're like, well, this one time I, you know, stole a banana from my neighbor's yard. And you're like, oh my God, it's crazy. And you're like, Mango. so here's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, but you're just like, well, I stripped for a little bit, kind of did my thing. Not a big deal. 
And then, so obviously, so you're in New Zealand. Did you go to college in Canada as well? No, in New Zealand. Ah, so you went to New Zealand. So when did you, so you guys moved to New Zealand pretty, like you were in, in your college days? I was 19 when I met my ex husband ah. Yeah. 19. Gotcha. And you met him. Rescued me, I guess. And then made good girl or whatever. And then. (laughs) There we go. I like that. He just rescued you. I like that. Well, like kind of like Batman. Right. A little different. Yeah. 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 Batman has a thing for cats, you. so they... Yeah, I'm just, hello. I mean, that's why it's all making sense. <laughs> this is all coming together very nicely. I was a little wondering how this was going to come together, but it's, it is. it is. So then you you actually, and so then you graduated from where in New Zealand? What, what college? Uh, Massey University. Yeah, I did oh, business gotcha. and marketing. And I don't know that I like really, I mean, I'm sure I subconsciously absorbed things. I made great friendships. I think university is like really good for that, especially when you're like an yeah. expat trying to find your way in a new yeah. country. But I think stripping taught me a lot more about entrepreneurship and sales and human psychology than uni ever did. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like I have, and I'm not going to go into heavy detail, but not that I was a a stripper by any means because they probably wouldn't let me, but (laughs) there were certain things that I've seen in people that I've, that I know that have sales or have done stuff that like psychology of working with people and whether that be you're knocking on doors selling something or whether it's, you know, whatever that is, but the psychology of that and how, understanding how people work and how people, you know, get somebody to say yes and those certain things I think is really interesting because you really can't, I can give you an example. I've talked about this in the past is like, like Mormons, right? So the religion of being Mormon and you go on a two year thing of like selling a religion. Mm. Like, can you imagine like you knock on doors and people are like, screw you. And you're like, cool. Thank you so much. God bless you. You know, then you go to the next one. Like how many no's can you take? But those, a lot of those guys and girls, when it comes to that religion, it's because they're like great salespeople because they're used to like, they have, they're selling the hardest thing in the world, like religion, right? Like to people that probably don't want anything to do with it for the most part. Yeah. And then if you're able to really sell that, I mean, that's like, you know, so they come out of there they're like, I, you can tell me no a thousand times. I'm just looking for the one yes. And so they're, they like grind it out. You know, it's kind of a different deal. Like alarm companies here in the U S alarm companies. And there's a lot of, um, what else? There's a few other ones that I have friends of friends that, you know, once again, they're, they're really good at those type of door to door sales because of their background in you know, selling religion. Yeah, that's so true for me. Like the thing that I learned the most was how, cause you would think like, Oh, well, you just got to like motorboat someone and they'll give you money. <laughs> but you know, you could have days where you would bank like $2,000 in a day, which was a lot of money for a 17 year old. And then you could have days where you would come home with virtually like 10 bucks in your pocket and your look didn't change. Your boobs didn't change. It wasn't any of that. It was your energy and um, Mm. the way you showed up. And that made me, since I've worked in the agency side and train business developers and all that I've since come to realize like the energy you bring on a call or a sales meeting with people is everything your confidence and uh, that is like the most contagious thing and if you don't have that if you don't have that that confidence behind you if you don't have that frame people are just not interested no matter what you do yeah so two thousand or ten dollars. I mean, that's obviously a huge variance. Do you think it was the power of the motorboat? Do you think that maybe it was like sometimes you were like sometimes you're like I'm kind of into it. It's a Tuesday, and then other times you're like it's a Saturday, and like the motorboat was over the top. Or 
or we're not really sure about the motorboats? Well, we're still not sure about the motorboats, mm. how effective okay. those were, but uh, it was definitely yeah. like an energetic thing, right? Because you have off days and you have on days. So if you've got an yeah. off day, like you're basically not having a great day yeah. financially. Because people feel the vibe, right? Because exactly. it's like you kind of, if you're into it and having fun, then people are like, oh, okay. Then it's like naturally you're kind of getting into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that makes total sense. I like the motorboat thing too, because that kind of, once again, brings it all back to where we need to be in regards to things that we've done in our past. I feel like there's like a business idea here, right? Sales, I know. Sales I training 101, lesson one, motorboating. <laughs> Why would you not have a course on motorboating? I mean, I feel like there's a niche there. I feel like there's some people that are like, I just, just use one lip and I'm not really sure how to do both lips. And it's like, here, take the course. Like we could totally, not a big deal. You can just go take it and then you can go make more money down the road, which is not a bad thing. Positioning, yeah. It's all about positioning for sure. So that's a great segue. So tell us a little bit about Eight Loop Social. So how did you start that? And what was your, I mean, it's interesting. You already have an interesting story, obviously, with your background and everything. Like, how did you jump into that in regards to the agency side of thing? Like, give us a little background. Yeah. So for me, I kind of like naturally fell into it because I never thought I would ever be in advertising. I mean, I did study marketing, so I, I knew I was interested in human psychology and sales and that aspect of things. But when I got out of uni, I started work as a marketing manager for a business association. And I was constantly surrounded by entrepreneurs, property investors, developers, and working really closely with these guys. And you know the saying, you are the sum of the five people you hang around with the most. I can't even stress that enough. It just completely created a catalyst in my mind where I was like, hold on, like these people are able to create this lifestyle for themselves and why can't I do this, right? So I started a company called Yeti. It had every vowel in the dictionary. No one knew how to spell it. My ex-husband <laughs> still drives around with the license plate. <laughs> and um, it freaking bombed. Like it fell flat on its face. And I had invested like $50,000, $70,000 into that took a year to build it. And then there was like, we made maybe like $50 worth of sales. They were like for my mom and my, my dad. Family. Two of them was me testing the purchase page. <laughs> so it was just really bad. But it was at a time when no one took Facebook advertising seriously. This was when Facebook ads was like something that interns did in, in huge corporations as well. And everyone just wanted boosted posts or Facebook likes mm. or those kinds of yeah. things. And um, I had started to learn how to build communities and audiences because of Yeti. And people had started to pay it to, like notice. And even though my company bombed, they saw that I was able to build communities and build followers and likes, which was the be all and end all back then. So I got asked to do like some contracting jobs and that kind of snowballed into more and more work and eventually realizing, okay, well, I need to bring some people on board if I'm going to, I was giving birth to my kids around that time. And I was just like really burning out. I had no time. So that was kind of the shift from like being a solo freelancer to going, okay, I need a team. So it wasn't even like a conscious, like I want to build an agency. It was like, okay, I need a team. And the next thing I knew, I was like, oh, I have an agency now. Cool. Nice. Yeah. So is it true that you let your ex-husband keep that driver, that plates on his car because it was a bomb company and you kind of feel like the relationship <laughs> went south? So you're like, why don't you go ahead and take the license plate of the company that also bombed and you go ahead and drive that around and so you can be a loser. 
from the vehicle and the company, and then I'll just take all the knowledge that I did and start another company. <laughs> is that kind of the goal or that just kind of naturally happened? Yeah, it's like an olive branch, right? Yeah. yeah. You get the domain. You keep it. I'm sure it'll be worth you millions of dollars down the You track. hold on to that thing. That <laughs> thing is going to be like a fine wine. Just let it, <laughs> let it mature. Let it mature, my friend. Yeah. So I'm probably going to get threatened. <laughs> if, you're, if your husband <laughs> listens to this, he's going to be like, oh, you think you're funny, Redbeard, don't you? Huh? <laughs> I'm a loser because I'm in cats old vehicle yeah exactly i'm gonna set you up some mangoes in your bag next time you come to <laughs> new zealand get busted you better so, get your bags wrapped saran I, I, def- yeah. I definitely will i'll, I'll put okay. the fruit flies somewhere and so your at least your agency the goal of your agency is to work with other agencies right isn't that what you guys like tell us a brand it's with facebook obviously facebook ads being kind of the premise of that on how to drive revenue yeah so we actually primarily work with brands and a lot of them are sort of in the e-commerce space or the event mm. space And I fell into helping agency owners because I was part of a a Facebook group with John Loomer when I was first getting started out. And a lot of the peers that I was in that group with noticed that I was starting to grow and scale really quickly. And they started reaching out, asking me like, how are you doing this? And I started helping people out, but it became very repetitive. And then someone, I don't even remember how this came about, but someone mentioned to me the whole world of online courses, which I had no idea about before that. And I was like, no way, people don't pay to learn online. Like that's not a thing. And then I started to explore this and realizing like, holy shit, this industry is almost bigger than porn. Like, and it's growing. But to be fair, I think they say that because most people watch porn for free. So I still think porn is probably the biggest industry out there. Yeah. I don't know what porn is. I'm going to look that up when we're done with this podcast. I was like, it sounds familiar, but I'm like, I don't know why that sounds so familiar. It's so weird. I'll do a little research, but just for the podcast, of course. Yeah. So that's interesting. So they say it's like, actually, huh? I, and courses, and so I, it's so funny. So I actually do, I am working on a course, a whole other conversation that will be, we're going to be going live here probably another month on like how to be an influencer.com is the, is the course. Oh, I love it. And the premise, yeah, well, yeah the premise is, is, I mean, cause I taught you at UCLA about. You got that domain? Holy shit. I do that's sister. Mm-hmm. But I got like five years ago. Like I bought it when I was like, okay, I bought all kinds of influencer domains. Cause I was jumping into the space and I thought, oh, this is going to be interesting in the future. Cause I teach a class at UCLA, a personal branding, how to be an influencer course. So that's kind of where this, this all kind of came about. But the reason why I was telling you about that is the, the course thing kind of blew me away too, because I was like, because my brother was in, he worked over at Creative Live and this was in San Francisco. And he was like, God, the course thing is like blowing up. Like there's all these people that are doing these courses and people are buying them. And I'm like, I was the same thing. I'm like, what? Like, why would you go pay hundred bucks for a course? Like, I just, I don't, I can't see people doing it. Yeah. And then I'm like, God, all you need is if you got 5,000 people buying a hundred dollar course and you know, I mean, it's like, it's insane. The numbers are just absolutely silly and you don't have to have a, a niche that the whole world needs to know about. I mean, it's almost better just to have something very specific. Like maybe it's, you know, how to find trolls in New Zealand or something in a course on how to find them and you can go find them and you collect them. And as long as there's enough trolls for everybody, I'm assuming you don't want to take all the trolls and like, both yeah. the trolls which I mean, it's a whole nother. That's probably, that's probably course two and three. I mean, I could definitely see this thing obviously being built out in front of us. But what are some of the things when you talk about the courses and, I, and how long have you been doing courses for? So about three and a half years now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. And it, obviously you've helped a number of your clients get like six figure type revenues. Like what are, and I know it's, you know, once again, I know a lot of it's a lot of the same stuff, but I mean, they're like there's certain tactics or they're like certain pillars that you say, Hey, these are the four things that we do. They're five things. And I know obviously it's only an hour podcast. So it's not like you can say, well, these, if you do these three things, you're going to make a million bucks here in the next few days. But what would be the pillars for something like this? 
Oh yeah, good question. So first of all, I just want to say and like reiterate what you're saying and your decision to launch a course, like absolutely do it. And I'm so behind this industry at the moment because it is disrupting education, right? And in a good way. And yes, there's a lot of cowboys, but you know, do your due diligence and like make sure you're buying from people that are actually doing what you're trying to learn. But even our team here inside of the agency, we invest regularly in their professional development and they will come to us with courses or resources or workshops or conferences. And we typically will pick online stuff over like a uni tech type of program because we know the online stuff is probably a bit more relevant and updated a lot faster than universities get around to yeah. updating stuff in the space we're in. In terms of like succeeding with an online course, I think it really comes down to your positioning. So your, your messaging, like your niche, right? And if you try to be everything to everyone right off the bat, you're then competing with like the Frank Kearns, the Ty Lopez's, the, the people that have a shit ton of budget and credibility behind them. And you're really going to struggle. So I think find like a specific problem that is really keeping people up at night and really like stressing them out and position yourself around that problem to begin with. And then I think the second most important thing is building your authority and your credibility around that positioning. So if you have to get beta testers through or if you have to get a cheaper round of people through just so you can get people raving reviews about you, then so be it. Like consider that an investment that is going to come back to you tenfold. I think the big problem is like a lot of us hear these stories about people launching online courses and making $200,000 from their first launches. And so we come in with these massive expectations. We build these things out. And then when we launch and it, we make like 5,000 bucks, which is still fucking great. Like if that's your yeah. first, I mean, you validated it some way, but we get deflated because we haven't actually built the authority around our positioning. And then I think the last piece of advice that I don't have five, I have three, I hope that's okay. The last thing I would say is don't be a perfectionist about it. So a lot of the times, and I did this the first time, I spent eight months building the course and getting it perfect. And I remember I hated the sound of my voice. So I would go on Fiverr and get someone to like caption everything. And it was like this whole thing. And then I launched and honestly, within the next month, the entire course had to change because when I sold people in, I realized like it wasn't always addressing the questions they were getting. I had to update things. So I would actually recommend like you sell it in build as you go. So sell it into a group of beta buyers first and then ask them, like go through a really agile feedback loop with your buyers and go, okay, week one is gonna be covering this. And you'll see the questions that they ask you and then you start creating your course content. And sure, it's like an intense way to do it, but it saves you so much time in the long term and you don't end up doubling up on all this work and having to basically redo everything that you became a perfectionist around, you know? Yeah, that always seems to be the big thing with most people is it's just like not launching, right? It's like the scared to death of this or that. It's like, I, 
you know, I talk about it with the UCLA students is the biggest thing is just doing it. Just start writing, start doing this. It might, it's probably gonna be like every first article I ever wrote was terrible. The first video that anybody does on on YouTube is terrible. Like it's always, right. It's just, it is what it is. You just have to get over it. Yeah. Right. And the thing is, is, I mean, I talked about this in the past, but the way I got my job or the career, the thing going at UCLA, being an instructor was because of my content. Like literally if I wouldn't have put my content, they would have known because I didn't apply for a job to be personal branding in an influencer space. They reached out to me because I was a practitioner read my article. So, you know, it's like, if I wouldn't have done that, it's like, you, you have to put that out there. Like, you know, it's, and of course it's, you know, scary and all this other stuff, but I have people that have done, I have a friend of mine, I'm going to say his name because he probably listens to the podcast, but his girlfriend has been working on this Facebook thing for probably about two years now. And I'm like, you guys, like by the time you launch, like all the stuff you put out is old. Yeah. Like, you know, so it's like, you got to like go, like just put some stuff out. And we're, so with my course, we're doing kind of what you talked about is we're going to put yeah, whatever, eight videos or 10 videos, whatever that is, have a, a foundation. And then we're going to build it as people start asking questions and, hey, we had questions about this. Great. Now I can go build out something behind that. And really it's a found, it's the, for what I'm doing is it is how to be an influencer, but it's not necessarily like how to get a pink poodle and get on a private jet and eat caviar, right? Like, I mean, maybe, but the idea of is like building a personal brand and a foundation on how to be able to go pitch brands and be able to get a free hotel stay or get this or get your car payment paid or whatever this is, right? And it's like this psychology of, of the do that and explain to people why they need to work with you brands because most brands don't know how to work with influencers right they don't know what to ask they don't know how to negotiate they don't they don't know these certain types of things so we want to help influencers be able to create that and be able to obviously show the value of what they provide yeah so it'll be interesting i'm looking forward to it i'll probably pick your brain we'll probably keep in touch that's probably when i'll bring the briefcase of money from the lottery <laughs> down to you and be like hey it looks like you owe me a free hour or something <laughs> like ratchet five million or whatever the deal is yeah Cool. So when you, the developing of the courses, I mean, is there like, I mean, I know we kind of talk about strategies and stuff and like, you know, things to bring like higher conversion. Can you tell us like maybe an example of like a client that you guys have worked with? And I mean, I'm just trying to think of like, obviously what everybody wants is a course that makes money, but I think you kind of touched on it as like, you know, it's the same thing with the influencer marketing space. People reach out to me and they're like, I read your article that for every $1 that you can make $8 with influencer marketing, like I want to do that program. I'm like, Everybody does. Like, of course, I'm, but that doesn't happen with everybody, right? Like we have to have proper expectations. So can you tell us a little story of maybe a client that you had that you guys absolutely crushed it and you guys did a great course or like, kind of give me some, I want to hear a good case study of where Kat went out and crushed it. Yeah, I think the best case study is our own courses. I think we've just cracked about 15 or $15 million in three years. So that's been phenomenal for us as a business. And then everything that we learn inside what we do with our own business is what we then bring to clients. I will be honest, we started working with coaches and courses at the beginning and we worked with some phenomenal ones like Gio and we helped blow her up and Giordana. So she's like a love coach, but it isn't a space that we work with anymore only because we realized that When you work with coaches and people doing courses, there is such a delusionment happening in the marketplace that you are coaching them a lot. There's a lot of coaching happening and uh, internally the resources, we just didn't have that in our company. So we mostly work with e-commerce and event brands at the moment or agencies. But if we're talking about strategy, for example, when you were talking, okay, you're launching a course, Shane, about like how to become an influencer and you have credibility, you've built a reputation around yourself so in many ways in a great space to go broad like that you know because that is a broad type of course but if Mm -hmm. someone was just kind of getting started out you mentioned like how to get free hotel deals or how to free hotels or how to get free products you could almost split that up and go 
Well, one of the audiences or the avatars that I'm going to be targeting is, say, women that want to be beauty influencers and they want to get free product from brands because there's a shit ton of those out there. There's a lot of women that want to start a YouTube channel and just get free Mac Smashbox cosmetics from brands. And, and if you position yourself like how to get free cosmetics from beauty brands to start your YouTube channel, the content on the back end is exactly the same as let's say the avatar of like how to travel the world for free by getting hotels, you know, covered because you're an influencer. Yeah. It's the same content on the back end basically, but you're really like refining your messaging to speak to a specific person and a specific want or problem. And that will really help you to cut through because how to be an influencer is only going to work if you have like that credibility and that warm audience that you've been building up. Whereas when you talk about specific problems, it like does, it's like you're speaking to the direct response side of the brain. That's like, that's what keeps me up at night. That's what I want. That's my dream. So that would be like kind of an angle there. And then the other thing I would say in terms of like strategy is try to think about how you can build a category based business with whatever you're doing. So for example, if you're selling a program on how to be an influencer, you may find in a couple years or something like that, that people will start asking you, hey, I don't have fucking time to send out these emails. I don't have time to set up my YouTube or the graphics or all of that. And you're going to start connecting people. And then you might start to come to realize after a while, like, hey, you know what? Like, I can offer this as a service, like basically have an agency side that complements what I'm teaching and then you start to build this is what Kylie Kardashian has done right she basically built a huge audience of women for her lipstick brand and then she launched a skincare brand and it targets the same exact audience and so she's not having to rebuild credibility and authority with the new audience she's literally like increasing her AOV by just increasing the skews of what she's offering so I think think about what are you doing now as a business or if you have an existing agency or business? So let's say you're offering e-commerce services to clients. Well, it makes sense to then launch an e-commerce course because anyone that can't afford your services, sell them the course. And then you know what? Most businesses, they don't have a lot of time. So a lot of the people are going to go in your course and go, dude, I really like you. This strategy is amazing, but I don't have freaking time for this. And who do you think they're going to want to hire, you know, when they get the funds or when they're ready, they're going to want to hire you. So you kind of create like this a bad word, but like this incestuous cycle, mm -hmm. of, you know, a category based business where it feeds itself. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where you start to make real money. Yeah. And we are going to, we're going to be doing something. I mean, the thing is we've worked this thing kind of backwards because we've done a lot. I mean, I've done a lot of the influencer space I and mean, I've been writing about it for seven or eight years. and I do a lot of keynote speeches in regards to it, but I don't do tons of managed services anymore. It's like, cause we used to do tons of managed services and then we're kind of pulling back. Now I'm just doing the education side of things. I mean, they're still continuously learning. And obviously we have influencers on the podcast and so there'll be, you know, tie-ins there, but I might talk to you about the messaging side of things. Cause there, there is, once again, there's a I've always fought with like, do I go real general of like, hey, all influencers, like, hey, we're just here to help you make a foundation, whether you're doing makeup or whether you're, you know, whatever you're doing, right? Or is it, you know, if you're just looking for hotel stays, it's still, you have to like have this base of like, hey, your website and custom email address and like just stuff. You're not going to super hot girl 29 at Gmail. Like, you know, you're going to get all the Nike and they're like, oh, okay, you got to kind of pull your stuff together a little better, right? Than that. So that will be interesting. Well, I'll talk to you about the messaging. Do you guys obviously help with messaging when it comes to courses? Is that something more? Do you guys have a course on messaging? We help agencies around this, but we don't really have a course for 
courses necessarily. But one of the beautiful things is it's actually like super easy to test this out really fast using Facebook or Twitter ads, most traffic channels. So what you do is you just set up like micro funnels with your different messaging and your different avatars and run like two, $300 through each one. Yeah, sure. It's like, you're probably not going to get a return off that budget right away, but it will make you a lot of money long term. And you'll see pretty fast through the data, like which avatar, which messaging, which positioning is working really well for me based on my brand that I already have. And that will give you a really good indication. It's not like scientific, but it can be really eye opening place to start because sometimes it feels like Oh, you're just like kind of putting your finger in the air and going like, I'm just picking something for the sake of picking something, you know? And we have done that with clients in the past where it's like, you really just seen where the funnel's at, right? Seen and seen if people are going to bite on it. That's kind of the big thing is because people create something and they throw it out there and like nobody bites. Like, well, that sucks. I'm like, yeah, because you spent six months on it and nobody likes it, right? It's like, you really want to kind of, and you talk about agile, right? You talk about like being able to like move on or change or go in a different direction or whatever you need to do. And I think some people don't understand the value in that. I mean, I think they will after they do a course and spend all the money and then don't sell anything. They're like, oh, okay, maybe I should have put a little more time into like researching and taking a look at this as little, not think tanks, but you know, these, these funnels to see if they're working because you're going and putting it out there and somebody goes, now you're every dollar you're making $2. Well, that's, that's a good little deal going right now. You can know, build that course around that because you know, there's some interest there. Yeah. One thing as well would be that, cause I do see a lot of people that have wasted a lot of money or that have failed, they have failed at launching something. And I will say to that is like, never consider that a failure because honestly, like all of my biggest face plants in the entire history of my career, singularly been the direct result of me being exactly where I am now. Like I would not have a $16 million company if I hadn't have failed fundamentally at Yeti. Like I was heartbroken. I was like, I'm a failure. I was ashamed. I was so terrified of telling my friends about my next venture because I was like, they're just going to like, people are going to mock me. The skills that you are learning just by setting up a funnel is like, you are literally teaching yourself the keys to the kingdom, like marketing Mm -hmm. and funnels. Like if you can get a handle on that, it may not succeed for you right now this year, but that skill in itself, that acumen Mm -hmm. that you're, you're building is an investment like that will, that will come back tenfold into whatever you do in the future. So never see it as a failure either. No. And I love that because I think that is a big thing. I think that's just, everybody looks at failure. That's what I look at. When I, when I talk to people, people are like, well, how, how can I be successful? And I'm like, well, you got to fail 10,000 times. People are like, what do you mean? You want me to go fail? And I'm like, literally everybody is where they're at today is because they failed, right? The people that haven't failed are the people that didn't try, right? Cause no, just 99% of the people aren't going to make it on their first try. And then your second business is probably going to fail. Like you just have to go through that process. I mean, that's a healthy process, right? We're all where we're at today because we face planted a hundred times, a thousand times, whatever that number is right? But you use that. And if you don't understand, if you don't learn from that, then that is a failure, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're not taking that and going, Ooh, I did this wrong. Ooh, I kind of got some investment money early. Ooh, I probably shouldn't have went to that club and motorboated, you know, too many <laughs> times or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever it is, right? You got to look at those, those numbers, obviously on the, the P&Ls. But I think it's important that people realize it's like, Hey, it's like, I wouldn't be where I'm at today if I hadn't had, like I got, I talked about this in one of my last podcasts and I'm not going to end a heavy detail, but I got sued by the attorney general of California for $65 million. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And it was, I mean, it's, I know it was kind of like your thing of when you, you're like 16, you're like, ah, I was a stripper. I'm like, well, I got sued for 65 million. So there we go. Now that we're all just telling secrets. It's for me, it was one of these things that I was like, oh my God, like what just happened? You know? 
and I won't, I won't go into heavy detail about this because I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast, but what happened was is I, what I learned through that whole process, the good, bad, and the ugly, was you couldn't have taught me that at Harvard. There's no business school that could have said, hey, Shane, let me go ahead and put you through a little, you know, little situation. It's going to be a fake situation, but you're going to be sued by the attorney general and you're going to spend the next two years and spend $2 million on fighting them. And I'm going to be like, yeah, that sounds like a great test. Like, how long does it last? And they're like, two years and it's $2 million. And I'm like, <laughs> that sounds like real life. I don't think I want to do that. Right. But I didn't ask for that. Right. And so this is, and certain things happen in your life. It's just, it is what it is. And so I look at, you know, I look at things like you do. Like, I'm, I'm like, listen, people are like, oh, but you, you failed at that. I'm like, no, not at all, man. Not at all. That means, I just got one more thing that I shouldn't do or I learned something or I figured out how to do it differently. Like those are all wins and people just, it's all perception how you look at things. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of people miss out on that. I actually have a buddy of mine, Chris Rudin, that we're doing a company called Fail Forward. And the idea of it is, is that you fail and then you go forward. Like, you know, if you don't, then there we go. You fail and you can cry and you can do whatever. And, you know, I'm not saying don't be emotional or don't say, God, that sucks. And don't spend a week by yourself, whatever you need to do. But like, you got to move forward. Like, that's just the thing. You got to get back up. Right. And it's like how quickly you do that. And then how quickly you learn to say, oh, you know what? And then become smarter with the way you do things. Right. Because the way I start a business today, thousand times different 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I had investment money and I'm like, I'm going to go buy a press release. And I think I pay like 500 bucks for it. And the lady handed it to me. I was like, yeah, they, they told me in school to get a press release. And I'm holding on to it. Like, I go, hey, what do I do with this? And she goes, I don't know. I mean, I just write press release. I don't know what you do with a press release. And I was like, I guess I go give it to my mom or something. Like, mom, <laughs> look, I got a press release. And she's like, that's really good, Shane. I'm like, thank you. Like, we're going to put it on the fridge or like, I didn't know what to do, right? Like, how do I, like, what do I do with this stuff? And, you know, we're, there wasn't this huge internet that we can now, you know, do distribution, but you just look at that and it's like, I learned now I can get a press release, beautiful press release written for $10 because I, you know, so it's just, there's certain things you learn and, you know, once again, you, now you have these things that you're like, oh, and now that's where courses come in, right? And I think that's what people don't realize with courses that literally, I think anybody could do a course, because you have knowledge, you have things that you've learned in your life that is unique to you. And if you can put that in something that you can find somebody that wants to know the knowledge that you have, no matter what that is in life. And I think people, they don't really understand that. Like I'm literally anything that you've done in your past in the last 10, 15 years, you could learn something from that, whether it's how to backpack or whether it's how to save money on your car insurance, whatever it is, how to save, you know, use credit cards to open your business, something like that. There'll be somebody out there and obviously you can do keyword search and find, you know, something that people are already looking up. And so it turns interesting. It turns interesting. So I have a, um, another thing that we're, I mean, a website I've been working on for the last few months, but you talked about the um, relationship niche. And mine is like, um, I'll have to get the exact domain, but it's like how to get my ex back. Mm, com. And we've been working on it. Yeah. Because I didn't realize there was hundreds of thousands of people a month looking up all pretty much the same search. How do I get my ex back? How do I get my girlfriend back? How do I get my boyfriend back? Like, how do I do this? How do I answer these questions? And it's a lot of, it's a basic stuff. Like don't drink a lot and text them, right? Don't drive by their house. Don't go buy a gun. Like it's all this kind of basic stuff, <laughs> but like try not to be too crazy, right? Like don't do anything too outlandish. But it's, a, it's just an interesting space. So it's something that, that I'm working on now because, and I probably shouldn't have told anybody because it was like this secret project. And my team's like, don't tell anybody. I'm like, I won't. I won't until tomorrow. <laughs> but don't worry. Up until that point, nobody will know. We'll just have to release this podcast in 2028 yeah. or something. <laughs> we won't even be around. But that's okay. I mean, at least we had fun while we were here on this earth. So cool. That's interesting. Yeah, I'll have to talk to you a little bit about that. Because that, that was because I was doing some keyword research and I just randomly looked at this and I'm like, oh my God, look at all these people. And once again, it happens over and over and over. People breaking up and getting back together and all the fun stuff. And people want to figure it out. And usually you're in another state of mind when you're just got broken up with and you're trying to like mm. mend things and you're doing absolutely all the wrong things. Yeah. From what I've heard. 
I've never done that before, ever. <laughs> okay. So tell me a little bit about Pay the Invoice, because obviously I've heard a lot of good things about it. And obviously I've been kind of following you online in regards to some of the stuff on your Instagram and some other fun stuff. What was the premise behind Pay the Invoice and what is it? I mean, obviously, well, I'm going to let you tell you. I think I know what it is, but obviously I want you to tell the audience, like, what is the premise behind it and why did you create it? Yeah, honestly, I want to like, I wish I could share like this great strategy that you know, was the premise of it, but I really like I smoked a joint back in September 2018. And the idea was just like, oh, let's bring some people down to New Zealand. And you know, I'm claiming to be able to help people by, you know, selling this online course. So let's bring them in and work directly with me and document the whole thing. And it was a huge learning lesson for me for starters. What an eye opener around reality TV, because I remember I remember bringing the videographer in and the director and they were like, great, what's the script? What's the story? And I was like, what? It's reality. You just shoot things, right? And they're like, no, that's not how reality works. You need a script and you need a story. And we were so not prepared for that. So it was kind of a fucking mess, to be really honest with you. And um, we're still in the process of editing right now. And it's ended up being, uh, we didn't even know what it would end up being. We were like, is it going to be a one hour thing? Or is it even just, is it, at one stage we thought it would just be a bunch of little videos. And at the moment it's ended up being a nine part, 10 minute docu-series. And I laugh because every time we publish one of these episodes, people online will be like, you know, why is it taking so long? These are 10 minute episodes. And we are like sweating behind the scenes. We're like, it takes us like two and a half weeks. We're literally doing the last edit, like the hour before it's due to be published. And so it's been a really amazing challenging and intense learning thing for me experience for me at the same token but yeah the premise was basically let's just bring some agency owners down to New Zealand work with them help them build their businesses up and uh, for me the the big thing that it reiterated was the importance of mindset and how your ability to control your emotional refractory periods and how you perceive these challenges that you come up you know where you were talking about how you've had so many failures and really the only difference between someone who is successful and isn't is that perseverance right you kept getting up you got sued for two years and that would crumble most people most people would fold in and go like fuck that I'm too afraid to get into this again right and which you see in relationships as well right dating relationships yeah. I've been hurt I've been cheated on I'm not going to put myself out there anymore which is the fundamentally the wrong way to go about it, right? So the way you perceive the challenges and the way how you handle your expectations and your attachment to your expectations plays a huge role in your ability to build something for yourself. So that was a really great reminder for me. And yeah, we're still in the process of editing everything. We took a, a mid-series break, so we're relaunching November 15th and we'll relaunch the second part of it. And uh, we were going to try to do it again this year, but I think we just need a breather. We just need to like take a breath for a minute and like, yeah, <laughs> recoup. So just your candor, like just your, it's just very refreshing. You're like I smoked a joint and then we decided to do a web series. I'm like, or a doc series. I'm like, there we go. I mean, most people would leave out a few parts in there, but I love the fact you're like, so we started off, I was just going to eat some ice cream and I was like, I why don't we do, bring on the whole production team. 
into a production with no script. And that sounds like a great idea. But it's awesome. Once again, I think it's interesting just how you do that. Because once again, you talk about, you know, there's people that over, like in the beginning, you were like over preparing for everything, right? You got to do this, captions, your voice and this. And now you're just smoking joints and you're like, hey, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And people are like, this is kind of a little crazy. I mean, do you get that a lot? Like people are like, I think you're crazy. And then you're like, yeah, kind of like whatever. I passed the ice cream and we're going to do this on Tuesday. Yeah, actually, that's a really interesting observation. I've never thought of that because I did used to be a perfectionist. Oh, yeah. And now like, I'm definitely not that. Like now I get an idea and it's like even my operations person has created an internal rule where I'm not allowed to even vocalize new ideas to the team. I have to put it on a list every month. It goes on the list. She has to go through and it's too much sometimes for people. It's like, oh, let's do this. Let's do this. I think if I had known the whole implications of what I was getting into with pay the invoice, I probably wouldn't have gone ahead with it. So I actually love the way I operate nowadays because it's almost like stupid naivety. Like I'm just like, yeah. I'm blind to like what's about to hit me. And so I'm like, let's do it. And I think if I thought things through too much, I'd be like, oh, but what about this and this? And it would stop yeah. me, you know? But yeah, interesting. I don't know what flipped that. I never thought about that. Yeah, because I used to be a perfectionist. Yeah. I'll tell you what it was. It was, it was a joint. <laughs> I'll tell you. I mean, yeah. that joint would be like, you know what? I, no, I don't know. We need to plan this out. Hold on real quick. <laughs> All right, let's just do this. <laughs> let's just do this. Let's do, who's down? Everybody's like, whoa, I guess. I think we're down. Let me hit that and then we'll see if we're just as down as you are. Mm. No, I think that's awesome. I think that's really awesome that you kind of, I mean, once again, I know that it takes resources and it, my team hasn't put me on restriction like your team has yet. But I am very close because I'm, I am a little bit, and if my team was on the line right now, they'd probably be cussing me out. But I am the like, hey, I've got an idea. And if my partner, if, every time I, he would actually be a millionaire if, forever, if I gave him a dollar for every time I said, I'm like, hey, dude, I got an idea. And he's like, oh, Jesus, here we go with Shane's idea. What did you do over the weekend, Shane? I'm like, no, I just, I saw this one thing and I was kind of thinking, I mean, I'm going to ask you this. How big of a team do you have? Well, let me ask you this first. How many domains yeah. do you own? So now, now this is going to be funny. So- <laughs> This is, so it used to be like, I literally had to go to like a domain therapist. Not really, but I, I mean, there was a certain point I had, I think I had over five or 600 domains at a certain point. Like this was probably about seven or eight years ago. Dude, that's and a I was lot. Oh, crazy. Shit. But I, I had some really, I can't even, I really want to tell you some of the good ones because I think you would appreciate them, but I, I almost can't tell you because it's like, I don't know if I have any kids under 18 that are listening to the podcast. But I did, it might start with a P word, then it might have, you might have already referenced it early in the podcast. So anybody rewinds it, we could talk about it. It's bigger than courses from what we understand, but it's free if you <laughs> go and find it for, on websites. But I used to have like some phenomenal, I mean, I would buy them because I thought they were funny. Mm. Like I bought, I'm just going to tell you, like I, I doesn't, I don't, it's my podcast. What yeah. are we going to do? Like ban me or something. I used to own like uh, Mr. Meat Straw <laughs> was one. And I just bought, cause, and I used to own Mucho Booty, Mucho Booty. I thought it was hilarious. Like, and there was nothing, I never put anything on there. And it was these domains and I would, I would like find it, you know, going way down the rabbit's tunnel and I'd be like, Mucho Booty. And I'd start laughing like you did. And I'm like, I'm buying it. <laughs> and then I would go home and I'd tell my wife, hey, I just bought Mucho Booty. And she goes, what are you buying Mucho Booty for? And I'm like, I don't know, just because in case somebody wants to get it one day. And I, you know, I kind of thought, oh, I can sell these. And I've only sold one domain name. Actually, you know, it was an influencer domain name that I did sell for a good little chunk of change, but everything else. And so I'm paying $10 a year at that point for 500 domains, which is like five grand a year. And my wife's like, you're going you're gonna to build out 5,000 or 500 websites? And I go, maybe, maybe this weekend. Maybe I'm just going to have a crazy idea. I'm just going to smoke some weed and go ahead and put up, you know, 500 <laughs> domains. 
Um, and it never happened. So I never did that. But I ended up, now I own probably 30 or 40. So I've, I was, went to rehab. I've been a good boy. I haven't like went crazy. I mean, I have a few that I probably don't need. And all the other, all the ones that, that like I thought was funny. Mm. Like I bought how I broke my back mountain.com. Oh. Right. Cause it was sort of like gay. I thought it was going to be like gay for, you know, cause remember broke back mountain. So it was like, I thought like, I just, there was all kinds. I think I just would like, and I'd buy them and laugh. I just think merely it was like $10 for humor. I was like, why well, go to a comedy club when I can just go look up these domain names. And I had a lot of them and I, I have to find the old list. Cause I'll look at everyone's one and I'm like, Oh, you're so funny, Shane. It's like, Oh, so fun. So yeah, fun. Some of those like mucho booty is actually probably worth a lot now. I'm telling you, you know, yeah. it's, I really probably could have done something with them, you know, at least, but I wasn't really like looking to like make them into porn sites. Cause I was like more affiliate stuff, which I did affiliate stuff. It was, I just liked them. Like I really didn't have plans on building out all of them and they weren't all porn related, but I, I was merely for humor. Like I literally would just, and then I wouldn't let them go. Cause I was like, well, somebody's going to go buy mucho booty if I get rid of it. Well, that's kind of the premise. Like you don't own it really, you know, it's like somebody else buys it. So yeah. there's only been, I mean, like I said, I sold a, a good one in the influencer space. That was a chunk of change that um, I went back and forth with the guy and got a, a good little deal out of it. So, you know, that was, mm. I don't know if it paid for all my hosting for the 10 years on 500 <laughs> names, but well, give or take a few bucks here and there. It sounds like the first step is admitting you have a problem, you know? I, it's, <laughs> it's, this is like counseling, kind of like, uh, that's the podcast is counseling for me. So when I leave and I go, okay, yeah, I, I have a problem still. So that's good to know. Thanks for confirming that, by the way, Kat. You're a team player. <laughs> You are a team player. That's it. Yeah. I know. It's, it takes a team. Mm-hmm. So what other cool projects are you working on these days? So obviously you have the one that you're in the middle of right now in regards to the invoice, pay the invoice. Mm-hmm. You got any other, and I know you just said that you're like literally on restriction right now. So I don't know if you can even, if you bring up a new project that hasn't happened, I think you're going to probably get your hand slapped. But let's, if nobody's listening to this, and we'll maybe like, well, maybe we'll put this out three months or something so you can <laughs> talk about a project you want to do. But is there anything cool you got going on? Yeah. So at the moment, my big target for the next year is to start to set up the company where it can kind of operate without me because I have started a new project with my little sister called Theory of Her where we are selling organic female refresher sprays. It's like a vagina spray. And in the sex industry, new space, I'm not allowed to run Facebook ads or Instagram. So like literally the thing that I am strongest at, I have my hands tied behind my back. So it's definitely a a brand new learning curve I'm going on with this project, but it excites me so much. Like I'm so excited. We're about to like custom design 3D print a dildo. And like that is just like, I don't know, it gets me up in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I have so many other things to say. I mean, that you just like, I was like, I felt like we were playing softball and you just like threw the ball to me and I'd like this bad. I'm just like, is this going to be a home run? Oh, I think it is. So, you know, it's funny. I had a company and I, God, I can't remember. I mean, I get a lot of leads on my website, but I had a lady that reached out to me about something similar. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, and I, I did a call with her and I just, for me, I was like, I just, not that I don't know enough about the female parts, right? We don't want to go heavy into my, the research I've done there, but I will tell you that it was just, it just was something that was outside of what I was like, I just don't know if I could really help you. Like, you know, I'm not, I mean, I get it, but it's like, I'm not, I've done my research, but I'm married now. So I don't do tons more research. I'm pretty, mm. I'm pretty retired at this point, <laughs> but it's interesting. I think that's going to be an interesting space for you for sure. I think, you know, I mean, obviously that's, I mean, thing that women deal with. So I think it's, you know, if you can figure out how to do it. And I do know, because I've worked in a lot of niches where you can't do Facebook ads, right? Especially, well, now, now they're not doing anything in regards to weight loss, but 
when I've done yeah. like fitness and stuff like that, it's real difficult. Any before and after pictures or anything that can potentially offend anybody in the world at any point at any time can't be a Facebook ad, which I always thought was kind of interesting. It's like, we're not really telling everybody that they're fat. We're just saying, look what you can do. And they're like, yeah, but she was one picture when she's fat and one when she's skinny. And I'm like, I never said she was fat in that picture. You said that. I'm like, yeah. why would you judge her like that? You know, not really, but Ooh. obviously Facebook's not going to take the time and, you know, talk to me about that. But yeah, there's, you know, that and the cannabis space. And I think there's some really interesting places where it's like, you got to think outside the box. Yeah. So, you know, you might have a couple domains or something there we could advertise on. <laughs> we might need, we're going to have, I think Mango we're going to have another conversation. After this. Yeah. I might own that by the way. It might be a picture of just my brother <laughs> at the U S getting a little, getting a little glove check. <laughs> don't worry. It'll only hurt for a minute. Sir, don't look back at us, please. Don't look back. Okay, it's probably better if you look up forward. into it. Yeah. Yeah, you do know my brother. You do know my brother. That's awesome. That's that's a whole nother story. But so I also saw that like this, I was looking at your Instagram, probably, I mean, not really say stalking, but doing research as, as some other people put it. You did a cryotherapy, right? Did you just do like oh, something yeah. a little while ago? How was that? I had like, so there's one that opened up like right around the corner from my house and I've driven by there. I've talked to like two people that have done it and they like it. What, what was your, like, how did you, did you like it or what were you thinking? Oh, it's fucking horrible. Like I hate it, but it only lasts two and a half minutes. So it's supposed to be really, I'm a runner. So I, I run most days and it's supposed to be really good for inflammation and aging and all of these benefits like that. And um, it's minus 170 degrees Celsius. Like no place on earth would even get that cold, right? So we are totally hacking biology humans. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. Whether it works or not. I mean, it does hurt with my knees. And, uh, it does help with my knees. So yeah. I, oh, but it's it, like it, it hurts sucks. your knees. Yeah, it sucks. But it's only two and a half minutes. So totally do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, you're you're quite the salesperson. You're like, no, it's murder. I mean, I'd rather die or cut my legs off. But I liked it. But I liked it. You should try it. I'm like, that's like when people eat food. They're like, God, this tastes like shit. Here, try some. And I'm like, why would I want to do that? Why would I like? I'm just gonna take your word for it. Like, I'll just put it on my list of things not to eat in the future. Like, we don't need it. I don't need to test it. No, so I funny. really so would love to see a photo of you doing it. Yeah, I think it's so you're right. Yeah, it's kind of like. I'll, I'll send you the, yeah, I'll send you some DMs of me and my cryotherapy session. Okay, it's interesting. Okay, because I'm a runner as well. So that's the reason why, I, I, that's the only reason I thought about it is because my knees, you know, I'm, I'm in my 40s now. So it's that they're not quite as, mm-hmm. as uh, forgiving as they were when I was young and agile. And, you know, it is what it is. There's so many cool treatments out there and weird and wonderful things and float yeah. sessions and cryotherapy yeah. and all of these things. Yeah, I'm down for all of it to try it all. Yeah. See, that's me too. I'm, I'm a, like, hey, and this is a funny story. I'm going to tell you this story. So you will appreciate this as somebody that just tries anything. So I, my brother used to live on Haight and Ashbury in San Francisco. And there was um, something happened with my back. So I've had a little bit of back issues and just because I used to do boxing and I did CrossFit. And anyways, long story short. So I was always been in, I played like footy. Do you know footy? Mm. You, ever of, you ever heard of footy? Soccer. No, footy's like, it's like rugby, but it's like Australian. Oh, so I don't right. know. No, okay, it's rugby. Of course you have to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's like rugby. Yeah. So anyway, so I've gotten beat up over the years, right? So, and it's okay. I'm okay with that. And so now I'm like doing Pilates with like 60 year old women, which is, a, it is kind of like, I'm used to fifth and sixth gear and like I'm in first gear and I'm like, all right, put your legs up and you know, tabletop. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But the funny part about this, this thing was I, there was a guy that was like supposed to be like a shaman and my brother was having friends that would come by and he wanted to like, he's like, oh, I can heal your back stuff. Like, you tell your brother to come on in. So this is, once again, hate Nashbury. So let me, you know, San Francisco, no drug use, I'm sure. No, I'm sure nobody was on drugs when we were doing this. And the guy's like, gets by me. He's like, like, it does just sound and I like, kind of jump because I'm like, oh, snap, because he's behind me, right? And he's doing some 
weird magic stuff. So it was so bad. And because once again, I was like, I'll try anything once. Like, let's just, you know, let's, let's give this guy a chance, right? And he does this weird, like almost, I thought he was like maybe having a baby or like a gremlin was coming out of his stomach or something. And I can't look at him. And he was doing this weird, and my brother was laughing and my mom was there. My mom was laughing. They all both had to leave the room. And I had to continue the session with this guy for like an hour. <laughs> Finally, I was like, I don't know how he yelled that long. Like, it was like a visceral, like a growl from like the inner innards. Wow. And he just, yeah. And so I, you know, so once again, I'll try anything once. I don't know if I'm going to do the heavy shaman work from white guys with dreads, but I tried it and I can take it off the list, I guess is what I'm telling you. Well, I guess I know what to get you for Christmas, a colonoscopy. I didn't want to bring it up, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to send you a little wish list and you just go ahead and take, put out whatever you want on there and I'll just go ahead and buy me a few things and send it on out here to California. So I'm going to, we got one last question for you. And this is the one that really kind of perplexes people because I really come hot and heavy on the last question. So if I was to give you a lottery ticket, now we've, that's kind of weird that we're talking about lottery ticket again and you're the future so we can figure this out. But if I was going to give you a winning lottery ticket, right? For $10 million, what would you use that money on? Okay. Well, I would lose 30% right away on taxes. Not willingly, but you know, I've got to do my part. Yeah. So I would probably invest a couple million into this new brand theory of her because starting a new brand and a new company can be very resource intensive, especially a product. And then one of the things that I'm really keen to start, I mean, this is something that I'm trying to set funds aside as well in the company is I've been really interested in exploring universal base incomes and the theory of it. And I would love to test something out, especially like young juvies, like people out of prison to see what impact does it have on recidivism, crime rates, society, and all of that stuff. When you take away people's basic, like so many people on this planet are still in that, like they don't know how to fucking find food or shelter for their family. And it causes a lot of the crime and a lot of the issues that happens in our society. So I'm really intrigued by universal base income. And I'd love to test something out like that, like a pilot program, um, especially on like people coming out of jail to see how it impacts society as a whole when you take this basic need to feed yourself and shelter away, no strings attached. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm hoping I win because I would love to, I'd love to chip in for that. I think that's the the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? It's like the the basic things that a lot of people don't have. And I think we just all over the world, we don't realize like how lucky we have it, you know, with things that we do have, you know, in the US or wherever you're, wherever you're located. And it's like, you really have to understand, like, there's people that don't have the basics, the stuff that we, every morning we go and grab our little $5 coffee and go do my Pilates and I complain about this, that, and the other. It's like, you have nothing to complain about at the end of the day. Like, life is good. You know, life is good. Look after people. It's the number one rule in life, I think. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You should always treat people. And have lots of orgasms as well. That's also very important. I mean, I was like, hello, I could be number one, but I I I know we were like fighting with number one, number two, like take care of people and, well. Well, okay. orgasms well, also help the world. Number. The more women yeah. come, the happier the world will be, for sure. I, mean, I didn't want to. I didn't want to bring that up, but yeah. I. I think this is going to be the spiciest podcast that I, that I've ever done. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to get much spicier with everybody else. And the cool part is, is I'm actually going to send out this podcast to everybody before I go and interview them and say, "This is kind of the premise of the podcast. We usually <laughs> talk heavy drugs, orgasms." Uh, dildos is usually pretty popular and I just want to see where you're at mentally. So we're just going to have conversations. And if you haven't stripped in the past, it's probably not a good podcast for you. I'm gonna... Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much for the, for the potential of interviewing me, Shane. Yeah. Yeah. Kat, you were an absolute angel. I'd say I love the transparency. I love the energy, everything about you. You're a soldier and I appreciate you. 
Thank you. Really good Absolutely. to be on here. Yeah. Awesome. Kat, you have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. It's been such an honor. All right. Absolutely. We'll talk soon.